What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a late episode of the JT Sports Podcast, man. I didn't mean to get started so late. It's not my fault this time, man. We had a crazy thunderstorm going on. It's crazy living in Florida. Like, I love the weather. I love that it's always warm year-round, especially in the wintertime. Florida's probably the only state that during the months of December all the way up to March, you can still go to the beach and still enjoy yourself but the weather here is very bipolar it's like a couple hours ago it was perfectly sunny outside then out of nowhere it started raining thundering and messing with the wi-fi so we couldn't go live at the time that we wanted to but you know what they say better late than never and we got a lot of things to talk about man i gotta give you guys some of my biggest reactions to week one of the nfl preseason zeke or ezekiel elliott excuse me just signed with the new england patriots so at least something good came out of this because if we would have started at five o'clock we would have been late on the news because we would have seen it because i don't check my phone for updates when the show is live but we're going to be talking about Ezekiel Elliott signing with the New England Patriots what he's going to bring to Foxborough thoughts on Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson's rookie debuts Malik Willis versus Will Levis who has the edge in the battle to be the future QB for the Tennessee Titans was Trey Lance set up the fella against Las Vegas the Broncos' offensive struggles against Arizona, and my thoughts on Jordan Love's performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. Before we begin, if you haven't already, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday, around 5 p.m. Eastern time. Remember that the JT Sports Podcast is not just available on YouTube. You can find us on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. And the podcast has been going up as of late. I don't know what's going on, but the podcast numbers are looking really good right now. Get us to 100 five-star reviews on Apple. We are trying to get to 100 five-star reviews before the start of the upcoming NFL and college football seasons, man. If you want to support the pod, all you got to do is leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We will greatly appreciate it. It only takes 15 seconds to do, and it's a free way to support the channel. So let's start off with this, right? Can Ezekiel Elliott revive his career in Foxborough? Going from America's team to New England, he's coming off the worst season of his NFL career last year with the Dallas Cowboys, and he's going to Foxborough, most likely going to be RB2 behind Rahamdre Stevenson. Now, if you watch the Patriots' past preseason performance against the Houston Texans, this probably should come to no surprise to you because... The backup running backs that we saw against Houston were not that good. And they were flirting with signing Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, and they ultimately went with Ezekiel Elliott, giving him a one-year deal worth $6 million. Now, what is Ezekiel Elliott going to bring to the New England Patriots? Well, I think he's going to be a really good short yardage back. He isn't the same running back that he was when he came into the league his rookie season and was an all-pro, but... One thing about New England is that they get the most 
out of guys who you may feel are past their prime. You remember LeGarrette Blunt? I don't think too many people expected LeGarrette Blunt to be as good as what he was during his time in Foxborough. And I think that Ezekiel Elliott could have a similar role. Now, Ezekiel Elliott, I think he is still really good after contact. This is somebody that still you can use in gold line packages, short yardage situations. Obviously, he isn't going to have the same skill set that Rahamdre Stevenson has. Rahamdre Stevenson is really good in a passing game. But New England is going to have a good complimentary back when they need to give Rahamdre a break. And one thing about New England that you have to remember is that they are a team that normally runs with a two running back rotation. They normally have their RB1, and then they have their RB2 who gets a good amount of carries. Last year, that was Damian Harris. So Ezekiel Elliott, he isn't going to come in and be asked to carry the load. All he's going to be asked is to get eight to nine carries a game and back up Rahandre Stevenson. And I think he can be really good in this role. Bill O'Brien, I think that this offense is going to be really run heavy with him calling the plays. He called some really run heavy offenses when he was the head coach of the Houston Texans. And with this offensive line, I think that Ezekiel Elliott is going to be poised for success in Foxborough. Last season for the Dallas Cowboys, he had 876 rushing yards, 3.8 yards per attempt, but he did have 12 touchdowns. Now, Tony Pollard did emerge, and that was another reason for why the Dallas Cowboys decided to move on from Ezekiel Elliott. But I think that this is a really great opportunity for Ezekiel Elliott to get his career back in the right direction. You can say that he's washed up, but the Patriots just are one of those weird franchises like the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens that are able to get the most out of guys who may not have too much juice left in the tank. I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to be excited for this opportunity. Him and Mac Jones, prior to this signing taking place, went out for lunch or dinner, I believe. I saw a picture floating around of those two eating out somewhere. So the Patriots locker room is very happy with this move. Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's a great person to have in the locker room. He's somebody who normally is pretty is in pretty good shape the majority of times I don't think you're going to have to worry about the conditioning when it comes to him and I wonder just how soon are we going to see Ezekiel Elliott suiting up for the New England Patriots is he going to play in their upcoming preseason game are we going to see him in their final preseason matchup we don't know but I do know that when the regular season rolls around expect Ezekiel Elliott to have a little bit of an impact on this offense. He isn't just going to go up to Foxborough and be irrelevant. He is going to have a little bit of a role in this offense, being that guy who gets those eight, nine carries that give Rahamdre Stevenson the break. Ezekiel Elliott, he's not the same player that he used to be when he first came into the league, but he still is somebody who can produce in this offense. I like this signing by the New England Patriots. I would have rather them sign Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook is better than Ezekiel Elliott. Hell, I probably would have took Leonard Fournette over Zeke. But I think for what you signed Ezekiel Elliott to, only $6 million one year, this is a really good opportunity for both the New England Patriots and the Ezekiel Elliott. 
they both needed each other ezekiel elliott needs another opportunity and the opportunity that's going to give him a good chance to show that he still has what it takes to be a productive running back in the league and the patriots need a good backup behind stevenson so let me know your thoughts on this signing down in the comment section down below and if you think that ezekiel elliott can resurrect his career with the new england patriots bryce young is a bust after a disappointing debut, 4-6-21 passing yards, people are already calling Bryce Young a bust, man. And listen, if you think that Bryce Young is a bust after watching him against the New York Jets in his first ever preseason game, I think you got to chill out, man. We already saw the trolls out there calling CJ Stradibus, and here they are coming from King Bryce. Let me tell you guys something. Bryce Young performed the way that I expected him to. He got the ball out fast. He made good decisions with the football, and I was really happy to see the poise that he displayed inside of the pocket. And he took some really big hits like, damn, bruh. Was that the Panthers' first string offensive line out there? I hope it wasn't. Because if that's what the Panthers' offensive line is going to look like this year, then yeah, Bryce Young may not last the whole entire season. But if we're going off a performance-based metric, and we're just looking at Bryce Young and purely how he just performed by himself and last week's preseason loss to the New York Jets, I think he did pretty well. This offensive line most definitely has to improve, and I believe that it will. This was a really good offensive line last year. But if you're saying that Bryce Young is a bust because he didn't have a lot of wow moments, I think you're tripping. Bryce Young isn't a quarterback who's going to come in and light the world on fire. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He isn't the greatest athlete. What separates Bryce Young apart from Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud and Will Levis is his ability to read, process, and dissect defenses. And we saw that on full display in his preseason debut against the Jets. The Jets' defensive line is going to be absolutely outstanding this year. I don't know what the hell was going on with Frank Reich and his coaching staff when it came to their preparation for this game, but they just got outclassed in the trenches. And anytime you get outclassed up front, your quarterback isn't going to have a great performance in the preseason nine times out of ten. But we've seen quarterbacks who had awful offensive line play, such as Trey Lance, struggle. Meanwhile, I think that Bryce Young thrived. He wasn't in the game for too long, and he didn't need to be in the game too long because if he wasn't in the game for any longer, the New York Jets probably would have knocked his head off his shoulders, man. Like, the Panthers got to fix this damn offensive line. I'm really disappointed in the coaching staff. Don't be disappointed and Bryce Young. Be disappointed in Frank Wright and the Carolina Panthers for not having this offensive line up to part in this preseason game. You want to know the perfect way to ruin your franchise quarterback before we even start the regular season? Do what Carolina did and set Bryce Young to get knocked around. Yeah, we know he's small and all he needs is time to throw the damn rock and he's going to cook. Like, I was really disturbed with some of the big hits that Bryce Young was taking. As soon as he took that first sack, I was like, you got to pull him out. Pull him out. Pull him out, friend, right? Do not allow Bryce Young to sit back there and be a punching bag 
and a practice tool for Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald. Like, I could not believe how atrocious the Carolina Panthers offensive line was. And I hope to God that was not their first string offensive line. So listen, this is what I'm going to do with this performance. I'm going to take it, ball it up, throw it in the trash, and next week we're going to reset. Bryce Young played really well considering that this offensive line wasn't good. And I don't even know what you people were expecting. For people who are coming out tweeting that Bryce Young is a bust, what did he show in this performance that made you think he was a bust? Was it the fact that he didn't have any big throws downfield? He was just taking checkdowns? Because if you were expecting Bryce Young to hold the ball for a long time and try to get big plays, then you must not have watched a lot of film on Bryce Young when he was coming out of Alabama. He gets the ball out fast. He's not the biggest guy, so his body isn't going to be able to sustain a lot of hits. So therefore, why would he hold on to the ball too long? He got the ball out fast. He was really efficient. He did a really good job of going through his progressions. This is what Bryce Young is. He's cerebral. He is a ultra-effective game manager. And with good protection, he can be even better. I don't think it's right to consider Bryce Young a bust after one preseason performance where he didn't play bad. He played better than C.J. Stroud. I mean, like, why does everybody try to nitpick these rookie quarterbacks in their first preseason games? Like, there's nothing that can please any of you folks on Twitter, man. You Twitter coaches think y'all know it all. Oh, Bryce Young was too conservative. Fool, this is who Bryce Young is. He's going to get the ball out fast. He's not going to allow you to get big hits on him. That's one thing that Bryce Young is not going to allow you to do. He's going to make the fast reads. He's going to get the ball out fast. And he's going to make good decisions with the football. He was efficient. He was poised in the pocket. And despite the fact that he was taking all those big hits, he didn't fall apart like how most people were saying. I was hearing a lot of narratives being thrown out there that, man, Bryce Young takes one big hit from these 300-pounders and it's done for his career. Bryce Young was getting whacked out there, but he was getting back up and ready for the next play. I think Bryce Young's preseason debut was solid. I give it a B. I would have loved to see him out there for some more plays, but obviously with how that offensive line was playing, you have to get him out of there ASAP. And Frank Wright in this offensive line acknowledged that this wasn't the best performance for that unit and they do know that they need to step up their play if they want Bryce Young to be their franchise quarterback for the next decade but let's just chill out on calling Bryce Young a bust bro I'm so glad a lot of y'all are not coaches because if y'all were coaches y'all would be fired on the first day because as soon as your rookie quarterback has one disappointing game you're quick to bench him or you're quick to say we need to find somebody else it takes time There are going to be some growing pains, but I didn't really see any growing pains out of Bryce Young in his debut. He played the way I expected him to play. What did you want him to do? You wanted him to run around like Anthony Richardson and get blown up? Like this dude was getting whacked out there, man. Bryce Young, King Bryce, is going to have a really good career. 
if you're trying to judge him based off this long performance, you got to give him more time. Some of y'all are just so quick to be the first person to say, oh, yeah, like I told you he was a bust. I told you he was a bust. I told you he wasn't going to work out. I told you he wasn't going to last. Like, we live in a society today that everybody is just so quick to want to be the first person to say they were right about something. We need to chill out on these rookie quarterbacks, not just Bryce Young, but the C.J. Strouds, the Will Levises of the world, and the Anthony Richardsons. They're not going to come out and go for 300 yards and four touchdowns and three drives of the preseason. You just want them to get their feet wet. You just want them to, you know, kind of get a little bit comfortable with the speed of the NFL. And this is the preseason. This is pretty slow speed. It's only going to speed up once we get to the regular season. So this is a good chance for Bryce Young to take some big hits, even though you don't want him to take no big hits, but at least know that he can take a big hit and get up and get ready for the next play. I was impressed with his poise and his calmness and how cool he was in the pocket. You didn't see him getting under pressure and then him immediately bailing out of the pocket like you see most young rookie quarterbacks. Bryce Young is wise beyond his years. He's a rookie quarterback, but he's going to end up performing this season like he's a five, six-year veteran. If you watched any of Bryce Young's film at Alabama, you wouldn't have been surprised with how he played in this game. He got the ball out quick. He was efficient, decisive, and made really smart decisions with the football. He didn't force any throws that weren't there to be made. Bryce Young's preseason debut went as expected, at least in my opinion. But the call Bryce Young a bust or Bryce Young is going to be a bust in Carolina, I see the early signs. Let's cut the shit, man. Let, let's just cut it out. We need to stop trying to judge quarterbacks based on one preseason performance. I'm getting sick and tired of you people just, you see, this is the problem with social media. Social media gives everybody a voice and some people don't deserve to have voices because some of their voices, to be honest with you, don't need to be heard because they have dumb opinions and dumb takes. This is a dumb take. Bryce Young's going to be a bust. I can see the early signs. What early signs do you see? He got no turnovers. He didn't make any mistakes. And he made good reads with the football. If anything, you question if this offensive line is going to be able to hold up throughout the 17-game regular season and keep him healthy. Because the way he was getting popped back there, they were throwing him around like he was a rag doll. After that second sack, I was like, bro, he got to come out. Because if they let him in for another drive with how this offensive line is playing, we may not get to see Bryce Young for his rookie season this year. So let's stop trying to label Bryce Young a bust. He played how he was expected to, and he did really well. This is the Bryce Young experience, people. He isn't all about the big play. He's not big play a bust like Anthony Richardson is. This is somebody who takes a lot of preparation. And a lot of time to make sure that he has a good understanding of what defenses are going to throw at him. Every throw that Bryce Young makes is calculated. I don't think that Bryce Young 
this one long preseason performance is going to be a sign of what's to come in Carolina. He's not a check down machine, but what he is is somebody that he's going to take what the defense gives him. If the defense gives him a five yard out, that's an easy completion and an easy five yard pickup. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to take it. He's programmed to see an open wide receiver and get the ball out to him fast. He's like a point guard playing quarterback. He's like a CP3 or a Steve Nash. He's a cerebral assassin when it comes to being able to attack defenses. That's what we saw in this game. We didn't see him hold the ball longer than what he needed to, like C.J. Stroud. You saw what happened when C.J. Stroud held the ball too long when he was trying to target Tank Dell on that corner route. What happened? He threw an interception. We didn't see those same mistakes with Bryce Young. Bryce Young looked poised out there. He looked confident. And even though he took some big hits, he got right back up and he wasn't phased by it. That's what I wanted to see out of Bryce Young. I was impressed with how he handled those big hits. I was impressed with how cool, calm, and collected he was inside the pocket despite things collapsing around him. That's what separated him from all of the other quarterbacks coming out of this past year's draft. That's why he was number one. Let that have been C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. They probably would have had an interception and even a fumble or two. Bryce Young's preseason debut, I think, at least in my opinion, was a massive success. The Anthony Richardson roller coaster ride. Oh my God. You Colts fans, you guys were in for a joyride when you were watching Anthony Richardson's preseason debut against the Bills, man. So his first drive, he comes in and he throws a couple of quick passes. Got some easy completions. And then as soon as things started to fall apart in the pocket, he throws a sidearm interception to a Buffalo Bills cornerback on the first possession. And then he goes to the sideline. And you're wondering to yourself, okay, he turns the football over his first possession of the preseason. How is he going to respond? And he came back the next drive and he looked even better than what he did his first possession. And then on his last drive, he looked even better. And you see, with Anthony Richardson, you're looking for a gradual improvement. He made some really good throws like that drop touchdown by Alex Pierce. That was a fantastic ball by Anthony Richardson. And we saw a lot of the positives that many people had about Anthony Richardson when he was coming out. He was super athletic. I mean, this dude absolutely bodied a Buffalo Bills cornerback. I think, yeah, number 24 and Anthony Richardson on the read option play just absolutely ran that dude flat over. That was one of those moments when Anthony Richardson was like, man, I'm 6'4", 6'5", 255 pounds running 4'4". You can't stop me, boy. He little boy, that Buffalo Bills cornerback, man. And that's what I love to see out of Indianapolis. I want to see his athleticism and his rare size and speed utilized. Not just that we see Anthony Richardson throwing the football well, but he also ran the football pretty effectively. And I think that he was a lot better than what most people expected. 7 out of 12, 72 passing yards. If you can get over the interception that he threw on his first drive and act like it didn't happen, he had a really good performance. 
He was really good throwing the football in the short intermediate passing game. Now, a lot of his throws did come out to be a little bit high. They did come out with a lot of heat. But I think those are things that Anthony Richardson is going to get better with with time. It seemed like when he came out for his first drive, he was a little bit over anxious you know he was a little bit jittery he was a little bit jumpy but once he threw that first interception he went to the sideline he calmed down he took a deep breath he said <sighs> he composed himself he gathered himself and then he came back and delivered a really good performance Shane Steichen was really impressed with what he saw out of Anthony Richardson after his first interception he even said it in the post-game presser. And that's what you want to see out of your young quarterback. You want to see your young QB make mistake and bounce back from it right after. You don't want to see your young quarterback make a mistake and then he just starts pressing too much and he gets all in his head about it. Anthony Richardson, he threw that one interception, he shook it off, and he delivered a fantastic performance for the Indianapolis Colts in his preseason debut. Anthony Richardson is 6'4", 6'5", runs 4'4", and is 255 pounds, dog. There's not too many teams that are going to be able to stop this man when he decides to run the football. You're going to have to have not just a great game plan to defend against Anthony Richardson's athleticism, but you're also going to have to make sure that you have the right personnel to be able to defend against this. Yeah, he may not be the most polished passer during his rookie season, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't know how many teams are going to be equipped to stop this man when he decides to tuck and run in the open field. I think Anthony Richardson had a really impressive debut. I think that most of his passes, although a couple of them, he threw a little bit too high. I think he was pretty accurate for the most part. There were some throws that got away from him, but I wanted to see how was he going to do in the short intermediate passing game because you see not every throw in the NFL is a deep pass if you cannot be accurate throwing the football in the middle and short portions of the field you're not going to be a great quarterback because the majority of passes that are thrown in the NFL aren't going further than 5 15 yards down the field and the fact that Anthony Richardson looks so effective and the short intermediate passing game is a large reason why I came away super impressed with his performance. You see, the Anthony Richardson roller coaster debut, it had Indianapolis Colts fans on a wild ride, but let's not act like it wasn't a fun ride. You know, we saw some early lows, and then we saw a lot of highs right after. So I think that there is way more positives to take away from Anthony Richardson's preseason debut than there are negatives. And really, the only negative that I had was with the first drive. And like I said, after that, once he started to settle in and the game started to slow down from him, I think he had a really good preseason debut. Before we move on, if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, subscribe to the channel, like the video. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., Eastern time. We got some difficulties going on with the stream right now. Uh, let me see if we can try to fix it right now. If you're in the chat right now, let us know how the quality of the stream is looking. You know, we had a storm earlier today, so that kind of affected the Wi Fi and the connection. 
trying to see if there's anything I can do to get us back on track. So yeah, everything's fine right now. Let me know down in the chat how things are looking. Are we looking okay? Are things kind of still being a little bit iffy? Are we going in and out still? If not, we might just have to end the stream and try to continue this thing off stream. Okay, we're good right now. All right, we're going to move on to the next segment, which is this. Malik Willis or Will Levis, who is emerging as the front runner to be the Titans quarterback of the future? Both of these guys rotated snaps during the Tennessee Titans preseason opener against the Chicago Bears. And for Malik Willis, let's start off with him. I think that he had a really good performance. He looked way better than what he did last season. And what really impressed me the most was how calm he looked in the pocket if you remember Malik Willis last season in the pocket he just didn't look comfortable anytime he felt a little bit of pressure he would just immediately bail out of the pocket he wasn't accurate he was airmailing a lot of his throws even the easy throws the layups looked complicated for Malik Willis last year but in this preseason matchup though he looked like an entirely different quarterback he had better command of the huddle. He had more confidence delivering throws in the pocket. Even when there was pressure and the pocket was collapsing, he still stood tall and delivered some really nice throws. And that one interception that he threw, I don't really hold it against him. It hit the receiver's hands. He didn't come down with the ball. And any time a quarterback delivers a ball that hits the receiver's hands, I'm never going to put that on the QB if it results in an interception due to the wide receiver not coming down with it. Now, did he put the ball a little bit too high? Yeah, but if you get your hands on the football, you got to come down with it. But outside of that, I think that Malik Willis had a fantastic performance I mean he looked in control every single drive that he was in the game and he was effective moving the ball down the field not with his legs but with his ability to throw the football we saw the arm strength he had a really good play when he got outside of the pocket and made a nice throw on the run I was really impressed with how Malik Willis performed in this matchup Will Levis 85 passing yards, 9 of 14. He had one carry for six rushing yards. He impressed me, and he actually exceeded my expectations. Who would have thought that Will Levis would have had a better debut than C.J. Stroud? Will Levis, outside of that one turnover he had, I think that he was really good. And the thing with Will Levis is that inside of the pocket, he didn't look as comfortable as Malik Willis, but he wasn't entirely bad. His pocket presence still is a lot to be desired. There were a couple of sacks that he took when it was like, man, you should have just got the ball out faster. You should have thrown that away. But I actually saw a lot of good things out of Will Levis in this performance against the Chicago Bears. He was really good. And the short intermediate passing game, which is something that I continue to stress because if you want to judge how successful a young quarterback is going to be early on, a good indicator is how accurate is he delivering footballs in the short media areas of the field. 
And Will Levis did a really good job at that. There weren't too many passes that I saw him throw that I was like, oh, man, like, that was just an awful throw. Now, he did have a couple of stinkers in there, but this was a really good performance that we saw out of Will Levis. Now, he didn't look as calm and composed as what Malik Willis did, which is why I think I would have to side with Malik Willis for having the better overall performance in this game. But I don't think that Will Levis played bad. And I actually think that Will Levis wasn't too far off from Malik Willis. And if I had to give you guys, you know, who I thought was in the lead to be the backup quarterback for Tennessee this year, I would have to go with Malik Willis. Because according from reports that have been coming out of training camp, Malik Willis has been outperforming Will Levis. But from based on what we saw in this game, I don't think the gap is too big. I think Malik Willis is up here and Will Levis is slightly down here. And if Will Levis can build on this performance next week and play even better, I think that he can kind of even up this competition a little bit. Let's be honest. Will Levis played pretty well. When he was coming out of the draft, a lot of people thought that this dude was going to be shit. And he didn't look like it. I actually saw... A lot of great things out of Will Levis in this game. And I see the upside. He had a really nice throw when he was rolling to his right. And then threw a nice pass across his body on the right side of the field. I was really impressed with that throw. And although things didn't look as smooth offensively when Will Levis was under center compared to when Malik Willis was under center. This Titans offense was still having some success with Will Levis at the helm at QB, and he still made some really nice throws, especially some throws into tight windows. So hopefully Will Levis can build on this performance. I'm not somebody who is a hater of Will Levis. I'm just really skeptical of Will Levis. He is somebody who has all the physical tools to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game. But when it comes to understanding defenses and being able to dissect coverages, he still doesn't really have it up here yet, and that's something that can be developed. But I think that his preseason debut was definitely something that he can build on, and it is something that he should have confidence with going into the next preseason game that the Titans play. But overall, Malik Willis and Will Levis, they looked really good against the Chicago Bears defense. I think they both performed admirably against Chicago, and Chicago's defense is supposed to be really good this year. This offensive line gave up a couple of big hits, but I like how both of these quarterbacks responded to, you know, pressure in their face. They didn't get too rattled. They didn't just completely break down, but I was really impressed with Malik Willis, man. You talk about somebody who showed massive improvement. And this game, compared to what he was when we last saw him starting against the Kansas City Chiefs, this is major steps in the right direction for Will Levis. And unlike Will Levis, or Malik Willis, excuse me, Will Levis' spot on this roster is guaranteed. Malik Willis is fighting for his spot to remain on Tennessee's 53-man roster. He could be cut. And how he performed against Chicago was probably the best performance that I've seen out of Malik Willis in his whole entire NFL career up to this point. I don't know how you can watch Malik Willis and his past performance against the Chicago Bears and not think that this dude looked a lot better than what he did previously. This looks like an entirely different quarterback. He wasn't somebody that was 
running just to run. He wasn't somebody that was one read and just tuck and run. He was going through his progressions. And then when nobody was open, he was getting outside the pocket, trying to buy time for guys to get open. And when that didn't work, he was using his legs and making a lot of big plays on the ground. His lone touchdown in this game came with his legs. Now, although I still want to see a little bit more improvement on the Malik Willis as a passer, there were some throws that got away from him a bit. I think that if you're Mike Vrabel and you're on the Tennessee Titans coaching staff, you have to be really encouraged with what you saw out of Malik Willis and Will Levis in this past week's performance against the Chicago Bears. Is Kyle Shanahan compromising Trey Lance? So on Twitter... It's a dude named Grant Cohn who covers the 49ers. He said if Trey Lance had played well in this game, he's talking about the Raiders game, fans would have want him to start week one. Kyle Shanahan can't let that happen. So he called a bunch of passes, not the typical 49ers offense. And basically the sentiment is that Kyle Shanahan set Trey Lance up to fail in this game against the Raiders. Now Trey Lance... If you were to judge him based on the box score and the stat sheet, he had a fantastic performance. 10 of 15, one passing touchdown, 112 passing yards, no interceptions, no turnovers. He had a flawless performance if you just judge him based on the stats. But if you actually watch this game like I did, Trey Lance did not look good. I mean, he does not look comfortable inside the pocket and he doesn't look comfortable just being a quarterback in general it kind of looks like he's forced to play quarterback it just doesn't look like the position comes natural to him and when he threw that touchdown in the in, in the red zone it really should have been an interception but it ended up getting bobbled and the tight end luckily enough had his head on the swivel and he was able to come away with the reception and scored the touchdown for San Francisco but that was a really bad decision by Trey Lance. And even before that touchdown drive occurred, the first opening drives of the game, I saw Trey Lance look really indecisive with what he wanted to do with the football. There were a couple of plays where he would look one way, he'll think about throwing the football, and then he'll pump fake, and then he'll end up taking the sack or just giving up on the play. That still shows that Trey Lance has a lot of improvement that still needs to be made. And at this point, I think it's safe to say that Trey Lance is pretty much a bust. How long does it take to figure out if a guy can or cannot play? I don't think that it takes four years to figure out what a guy is. Trey Lance is going into year three now. We've seen a good sample size out of Trey Lance. And some people may argue that we still need to see more. Listen, anytime you have a fluke touchdown like the one that Trey Lance threw in this game, it kind of shows me that you're not that good. And even the second interception that he nearly threw right before halftime was a bad read. One thing that Trey Lance still isn't able to do is be effective in Kyle Shanahan's West Coast offense. You see, this offense is all about timing. It's about accuracy. It's about anticipation. Can you throw guys open? Trey Lance still doesn't have the ability to do that. He doesn't look like a good fit in this offense. And I've been telling a lot of Trey Lance defenders that even though you may not consider him a bust, I think it is fair to say that 
he's just not a good fit with the 49ers and he doesn't do what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do, which is be able to be an accurate distributor of the football. Why do you think Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy were so more effective in this system compared to Trey Lance? And you can take this approach and make a bunch of excuses for Trey Lance, say that Kyle Shanahan put him in a situation to fail because he had to throw the football so many times. I don't really think that's a good explanation or a good excuse for Trey Lance because this is the preseason. I want to see what you got, fam. I want to see you throw the football. I get that he didn't have the best offensive line play, but Russell Wilson was the most pressured quarterback out of all of the quarterbacks who we saw throw passes in the preseason, and he still had a pretty solid outing against Arizona. You see, part of being a good NFL quarterback is being able to handle pressure, and Trey Lance didn't do a good job at that. Yeah, he made some throws where he got outside the pocket and made some good throws on the run. But when he was under pressure, he just wasn't good. And in the NFL, you're not always going to have clean protection every single play. And weren't people saying that Trey Lance needs more reps as a passer so he can continue to improve throwing the football? So this was a good opportunity for him to get more reps throwing the football, and he wasn't able to make the most of it. And how long do we have to wait for Trey Lance to be able to put it together. When do we just say, you know what, enough is enough. Trey Lance just isn't that guy. A lot of people that I've heard when they've been touching on this situation have said that they expect Trey Lance to be the third string quarterback behind Purdy and Sam Darnold, and I agree with them. I mean, you're looking at somebody who threw a fluky touchdown when he essentially threw the ball into double coverage. That was a bad play. That was a read that he never should have made. And then he had to throw really early into the game where he was trying to throw an out route to a receiver where the cornerback was lined up in outside leverage. He should have understood that with the cornerback playing outside leverage, it might not have been the smart decision to try to throw the out route. I just don't really get Trey Lance defenders, man. It seems like a lot of Trey Lance defenders keep trying to hype him up because of the potential, but when are we going to see that potential actually turn into results? This is a performance-based business. You don't have time to wait for potential. You don't have time to wait for a guy to figure it out. The NFL moves fast, and if you can't get a guy who can perform, guess what happens to the head coach? Nine out of ten times, they get fired unless you can get lucky enough to get another quarterback who can make up for you missing with this Trey Lance selection, i.e. Brock Purdy. And regardless of what Brock Purdy does at training camp, we've seen Brock Purdy in the actual game. And he's looked way better in Trey Lance. And people made the argument that, oh, we haven't seen Trey Lance play in too many games. We need to see him play the same amount of games as Brock Purdy. You can make another argument against Trey Lance. You can say that, well, if we were, if we were to compare... Trey Lance's first couple of starts, the Brock Purdy's first couple of starts, why has Brock Purdy been the better quarterback? You see, we got to stop with this whole potential bullshit. Potential doesn't win you games in the NFL, and it damn sure doesn't win you championships. Do you know what waiting on potential gets you in the NFL? It gets you fired. It gets you out of a job. You see, the 49ers have a roster that's built to win now. It would be different 
if we were viewing the 49ers and saying that this is a roster that's not fit to compete for a Super Bowl, if this was a team that was in a rebuild like Indianapolis, it would be understandable. Kyle Shanahan isn't a first-year head coach. He's been coaching for the 49ers for a couple of years. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been to a couple of NFC championship games. He doesn't have time to wait for Trey Lance to get it all together. And throwing Trey Lance out there week one is a disadvantage. Do you think that Trey Lance will give the 49ers a be- the better chance to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers week one than what Brock Purdy would? If you think that Trey Lance gives the 49ers a better chance to have success this season, you're delusional. Straight up. My guy Juice, love my brother to death, but he keeps saying that, Oh, the 49ers don't scare anybody with Brock Purdy at quarterback. You think defenses are scared of Trey Lance at quarterback? The same QB who threw a fluky touchdown into double coverage and only got saved by his tight end having his head on a swivel? Like the 49ers right now, man, they're really lucky that they had Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. If Jimmy Garoppolo, let's say they would have traded him like when they wanted to last year. If they didn't have him last year, their season would have resulted in a disaster. Trey Lance, even when he was healthy, he still wasn't good. He still didn't light the world on fire. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy comes in, first game against the Miami Dolphins having no first team reps, no chemistry with the starting wideouts, and absolutely dominates and leads the 49ers to the NFC Conference Championship. If it hasn't taken Brock Purdy so long to come in and to, and to perform at a high level, why is it taking Trey Lance so long? He's in his third year in the NFL. You think he would have gotten it by now. You think he would be more comfortable. He had to change his throwing motion. What happened to the new throwing motion? Obviously, that went down the window because I didn't really see any improvement in his throwing motion in this game. I mean, he made a couple of good passes when he got the ball out fast. But that was only about on two or three of his throws. Like, you see, Trey Lance, he may not be a bust, at least yet. I would say he's a bust. But if you don't want to consider him a bust, I'm not going to push back against that. But I will say that I think we've seen enough out of Trey Lance with the 49ers to know that this just isn't going to work. You can say that he was set up to fail because he had to throw the football a lot against the Las Vegas Raiders with a bad offensive line. But guess what? This is the preseason. Bryce Young was under hella pressure against the New York Jets. And he wasn't even nowhere near as bad as what Trey Lance was, even though he was in for less drives than what Lance was. He looked calm, cool, and collected under pressure. Trey Lance under pressure, most like Frosty the Snowman on the summer day. I don't know how long 49ers fans think that Trey Lance is going to have to get things figured out. This is a performance-based business. And if you can't perform, guess what happens? You get fired. You're out of a job. It doesn't take this long for a top five pick to show you if he can play or can't play. We've seen Zach Wilson his first couple of years with the New York Jets. And what did we figure out? He just can't play right now. And with Trey Lance, we're seeing the same thing. You see, this isn't the early 2000s anymore where you start a quarterback and you wait four to five years to figure out what they have. These quarterbacks coming out now are way better immediately than what they were decades ago. 
Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, even Tua, all three of those quarterbacks hit the ground running during their rookie seasons. Cam Newton, somebody who people thought was the project when he was coming out of Auburn because he didn't have any experience running a pro-style offense, came out his rookie season and hit the ground running. Same thing with Andrew Luck. When you invest a top five pick into a quarterback, you expect them to be able to make an immediate impact. And if not an immediate impact right away, you expect for them to become a really good quarterback within their second year in the league, i.e. Patrick Mahomes. You even get to see some glimpses of potential like you see, like you saw in Jalen Hurts his second year in Philadelphia. But we don't see this with Trey Lance. He has an incredible coach. And Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. How are we going to say that? He put Trey Lance in a situation that fell against the Las Vegas Raiders because he asked him to do what your quarterback is supposed to do, which is throw the football. I mean, I get the offensive line was bad, but there were a lot of throws that Trey Lance left on the table and a lot of bad decisions that he made when he had a clean pocket. When Trey Lance was throwing from a clean pocket, he wasn't doing anything special. He still wasn't good. And I'm not hating going Trey Lance, but I'm just telling you guys the truth. If you ever play football or any level, high school, college, middle school, it doesn't take you long to figure out if a guy can or cannot play. Trey Lance isn't even doing good in practice. Brock Purdy, he can afford to throw interceptions. Who cares? We know what he does in a road game. He carried the 49ers to an NFC championship. When Trey Lance gets into a road game setting, he struggles. The statistics are statistics, but... They're lacking context. You see, it's easy to make an argument for Trey Lance having a great performance when you just strictly judge games based on the stats. But if you were to watch this game, there's no way you can tell me that Trey Lance looked like a better quarterback against the Las Vegas Raiders than what he did previously before that injury. He still looks like the same quarterback, still can't read defenses, still looks really indecisive. He just doesn't look comfortable being a quarterback. Maybe he should move the tight end. Maybe he should change positions. Or maybe he just isn't a good fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense. He can't throw with anticipation. He doesn't throw guys open. And, you know, being able to be an accurate passer is kind of something that you either have or you don't. You can improve your accuracy. But if you want to be Drew Brees accurate, that probably isn't going to happen because elite accuracy, you're kind of born with. You're kind of born with the elite ability to be able to throw guys open. Not everybody can have the accuracy and the precision as Drew Brees. Some that's just God-given. Trey Lance just isn't a good quarterback right now. And I don't get why people like Grant Cohen continue to make all these excuses about him. If Trey Lance had played well in this game, fans would want him to start week one. Kyle Shanahan can't let that happen, so he called... A bunch of passes, not the typical 49ers offense. Bro, Kyle Shanahan doesn't give a damn or flying F about what we have to say as fans. If fans controlled what these head coaches do, I don't think anybody would have wanted Trey Lance. People probably would have wanted Justin Fields over Lance or even Mac Jones over Lance. Trey Lance is still a very inexperienced quarterback. He only really started like, what, one year fully for North Dakota State when he was coming out? Kyle Shanahan may not just be great at developing quarterbacks that are just very raw. He may just be great with quarterbacks that just already have a lot of experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because in the NFL, 
You should always go with the guy who gives you the best chance to win immediately and not the guy who has potential because potential doesn't win you shit in the NFL. You know what potential gets you when you wait on it for too long? It gets you fired and unemployed. I don't think Trey Lance was set up to fail by Kyle Shanahan. I don't think that Kyle Shanahan is intentionally compromising Trey Lance. Why were they intentionally trying to make Trey Lance look worse when they want to trade him? He's not good, so of course they want to take every opportunity to gas him up. Of course you want to see Trey Lance throwing the football hella times because you want to see what you got in him. You want to see if Trey Lance actually is going to be able to deliver an accurate pass in the regular season when the game speeds up. And you want to showcase him to other teams if you want to trade for him, but nobody really has a lot of interest in trading for Trey Lance. Nobody wants to pay what's left of his guaranteed salary on his rookie deal, and nobody wants to invest in an experiment right now that looks like it can't even be serviceable. I don't think Trey Lance is a good quarterback. I don't even think he's a good backup quarterback. I think Trey Lance would be better off going to the XFL or the USFL and getting development there because the NFL game is obviously way too fast for him and he can't make the necessary improvements and development needed to succeed at the NFL level right now. This is a performance-based business. Miss me with all that BS about potential and how he has more upside and more talent than Brock Purdy. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And the great words of Tim Tebow, Trey Lance may have the more physical tools than what Brock Purdy has, but Brock Purdy is able to execute. He's able to play within structure. He's able to run this offense the way Kyle Shanahan wants it run out of his quarterback. Trey Lance can't do what Brock Purdy can. And you know, it's a major disappointment. But to say that Kyle Shanahan is intentionally trying to compromise Trey Lance, I think is ridiculous. And I think that you Trey Lance fans or you Trey Lance fanboys are starting to hit an all-time low. Why would John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan want to compromise somebody who they traded up potentially, what, three first-round picks to get? That doesn't make any sense. They're trying to give Trey Lance every opportunity they can for him to prove himself. And not every opportunity may be a great opportunity. But guess what? In life... You're not always dealt a great hand. Sometimes you got to take a bad hand and still find ways to win the game with it. That's what life is about. Life is about sometimes taking lemons and turning them into lemonade. You see, Trey Lance may not have had a great offensive line against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders defensive line was eating up that offensive line that the 49ers had up there for the whole entire game. But let's not act like Trey Lance didn't have opportunities when he had clean pockets to throw the football from and still made bad throws and bad decisions. In the red zone, he made bad decisions. That should have been an interception. He threw two near interceptions. That should have been INTs. And if this was a regular season, they probably would have been interceptions. But I don't see any Trey Lance fanboys talking about that. You see, we got to stop making excuses for people. We just got to judge people for who they are. That's the problem with a lot of us in life. We don't see people for what they are. We see people for what they could be. And seeing people for what they could be gets you nowhere. It gets you disappointed. Because seeing people for what they could be leads to unrealistic expectations. Sometimes you got to see that a guy can't play and hop off that thing fast. The New York Jets realized that Zach Wilson, at least at that moment last season when they benched him, realized that he wasn't it. 
He wasn't the answer at quarterback for him, and they had to find another way to win games and find a way to upgrade the QB position, hence why they traded for Aaron Rodgers. If they couldn't have landed Aaron Rodgers or a guy in Derek Carr and they had to start Zach Wilson again, Robert Sala probably would be out of a job at the end of this season. Trey Lance, if he was the 49ers' only solution at the quarterback position, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, they would be in hella trouble. Trey Lance just isn't good. We've seen a good amount of Trey Lance, and we still haven't seen anything that has really given us a lot of confidence to say, oh yeah, he's going to be the guy. All that we see out of Trey Lance is, you know, things that make you create more excuses for him. Instead of you getting more confidence in Trey Lance, you got to create more excuses for him. You got to try to create dumb narratives. No head coach in the NFL is intentionally trying to compromise their quarterback, especially when they invest three first rounders in the trading up for them. That just doesn't make any sense. I don't really understand this tweet. I really don't. It's the preseason. Nobody's running anything in the preseason that they're going to be running during the regular season. I want to see what Trey Lance has as a passer. I don't give a damn about running the football in the preseason, man. Show me what you got. Can you deliver an accurate pass? Can you effectively be accurate in the short intermediate passing game? All these are things that Trey Lance has been unable to do. Like, when do we just stop with the nonsense? When do we just cut the bull crap? And when do we just come out and just admit the fact that the 49ers whiffed on Trey Lance as a starter? Every single week, it's new excuses for Trey Lance. We got to continue to move the goalposts for him. Why are we continuing to move the goalposts for a guy who hasn't proven anything? Brock Purdy just took this team to the conference championship last year, and yet you still have people trying to create a false narrative that Trey Lance is the better quarterback when he hasn't demonstrated it. Trey Lance had all offseason when Brock Purdy was rehabbing from that elbow injury to show that he was better. First team reps. And he can't even outduel Sam Darnold. Why is Sam Darnold still getting the same amount of first team reps as what Trey Lance was when Brock Purdy was out? I don't think a lot of you people are being realistic and being fair when it comes to how you evaluate Trey Lance because you're thinking about what the 49ers gave up to get him. It doesn't matter what they gave up to get him. What matters is the results that he's delivering right now and the results that he's giving you are none. He's showing you why you shouldn't have traded up so much to get him in the first place. Why can't we just admit that the 49ers made a mistake? It doesn't take three to four years to figure out if a quarterback is good anymore. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. It didn't take them four to five years for them to figure it out. Why is that? You can't say Trey Lance is in a bad situation. He's playing for one of the best head coaches, one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. When are we just going to say that Trey Lance just isn't it? You don't got to say he's a bust, but can we just agree that this man just isn't a good fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense because the pudding is on the table. It doesn't take long in today's NFL to figure out if you have the franchise quarterback on your roster or not. There's a reason why they didn't trade Jimmy Garoppolo and why they brought him back. They knew that Trey Lance wasn't it. There's a reason why Brock Purdy 
has already been penciled in to start over Trey Lance. They don't really need a quarterback competition between Lance and Purdy because it's not even close. Trey Lance had several opportunities to prove himself. This offseason, there are OTAs, mini camp, and training camp before Brock Purdy came back. And Brock Purdy came back, and he was still better than Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's eyes. If Trey Lance was doing so well in practice, the gap between him and Purdy would be really minimal. And we would actually have a legitimate quarterback battle on our hands. Trey Lance didn't even really beat out Jimmy Garoppolo last year. They just went ahead, after one year of him sitting behind Jimmy G, they just went ahead and named him the starter without him really beating out Jimmy G and showing that he was better. So it's no surprise that he's expected to be the third-string quarterback to start week one of the NFL season. You can make all these excuses and try to twist all these narratives all you want to, but at the end of the day, how much of this falls on Trey Lance just not being able to properly execute? Why are we trying to say that Trey Lance is being compromised by the 49ers? This is false. No team that gives up as many first rounders as what the 49ers did to trade up for Trey Lance is going to intentionally try to compromise him, especially if they are not really high on him and want to potentially trade for him. Why do you think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are always trying to prop him up? Because they want another team to take the bait. No Body in the 49ers organization wants Trey Lance to fail. They may be okay with admitting that they whiffed on the pick and he's not a good fit, but I don't think Kyle Shanahan is intentionally setting Trey Lance up to be unsuccessful. He's a quarterback. What are quarterbacks supposed to do? Throw the damn football. He had, what, 15 passing attempts? I think that's good enough for him to get some meaningful reps to show that he's made improvement as a passer, and he still looks like the same quarterback that he was pre-injury. He changed the throwing motion, but that obviously hasn't helped, and he still doesn't have it in between the head. He still can't read defenses, still struggling to dissect coverages. The guy just isn't it. He may not be a bust, at least right now, but I think it's fair to say that he just isn't a good fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Russell Wilson in the Denver Broncos offense still is struggling to cook, man. Russell Wilson just can't get in the kitchen and is just struggling to make it work with the ingredients that he has around him. And it's not all his fault because that offensive line against the Arizona Cardinals, man, they were getting pushed back. And this is by what? Arizona's second, third string defensive line? And this offense performed so lackluster that they didn't even get taken out of the game until midway throughout the second quarter. Russell Wilson started out pretty slow, but I think he finished this game out really strong. 7-13, 93 passing yards in the touchdown. Now, Arizona, they gave up that touchdown to Jerry Judy because they decided to go with the all-out blitz, and they left Jerry Judy one-on-one with a second, third-string cornerback. And obviously, with how good of a route runner that Jerry Judy is and how good he is at getting open, if you put him in a one-on-one situation with a second or third-string cornerback, obviously we know that Judy is going to cook him. But, you know, he still has his issues with being able to, you know, catch the football. He had a drop in this game. Russell Wilson still missed on a couple of easy layups. There are a lot of growing pains that we saw in this game against the Arizona Cardinals coming from the Denver Broncos. And this is an offense that has still struggled 
throughout the majority of the training camp. The Broncos defense has been getting the better of the Denver Broncos offense. And this offensive line has struggled for the majority of the training camp. And this is their first string offensive line struggling against the second and third stringers on the defensive line for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this just doesn't really look good right now. Now, it wasn't a completely bad performance. I mean, they did eventually start to put things together in the second quarter, but for it to take this long is really concerning. You know, if you're Sean Payton, you want to put your starters out for three, four drives, and you want to see some good things, but the fact that he left them out there for so long shows you that he wasn't satisfied with what he was seeing. He was really disappointing. And, you know, maybe I might have put a little bit too much faith and Sean Payton. I still believe that Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson, but maybe this isn't going to be as easy as a fix as I may have thought. I was thinking that Sean Payton would be able to go into Denver and immediately get Russell Wilson cooking again, but obviously that hasn't happened. Russell Wilson still doesn't look anywhere close to being the quarterback that he used to be when he was playing for the Seattle Seahawks, and now we understand completely why the Seahawks bailed on him. The Seahawks essentially traded Russell Wilson and flipped them for a near Super Bowl caliber team. The Seahawks had one of the best rosters in the NFL going into this season. Meanwhile, the Denver Broncos are paying Sean Payton a lot of money to hope that he can get Russell Wilson back playing at a serviceable level so his contract doesn't look as bad. But the reality of the situation is this. With how slow this offense is kind of taken to get acclimated to Sean Payton's system, this may be something that lingers into the regular season. They may go into the regular season and struggle for the first half of the season because this offense still can't have good protection up front. And Russell Wilson still doesn't look all that great. Now, when Russell Wilson had somewhat of decent protection, he did make some pretty good throws. But even when he did have some decent protection, you know, not all those throws were great. And the fact that the Broncos offense is struggling against the Arizona Cardinals who have the worst roster in the NFL, that's a major concern. I mean, the Broncos should have came into this game and they should have been moving the ball up and down the field. So their offensive struggles continue. Last week, I came out and said that you Broncos fans shouldn't hit the panic button when the news came out that Russell Wilson and his offense were struggling in camp and his defense was getting the better of them. And we was thinking that, you know, these were just growing pains. But these growing pains are still continuing throughout the preseason. And if this offense doesn't perform better for the last couple of games that they have in the preseason and this lingers on into the regular season, it might be a long year for Russ and company. Because their schedule is not tough. They're playing in one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. You got to go against Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes twice, Justin Herbert in the Chargers twice. Brandon Staley is a defensive-minded coach. So, I mean, this is really concerning at this point. And I'm still not going to hit that panic button yet. But if they have another game where they struggle offensively and Sean Payton has to leave his first-team offense in until midway through the second quarter, I do think that it will be time to hit the panic button. You see, like, my hand is like this. This is the button, and this is how close I am to touching that thing. Like, I'm really close to hitting that panic button because the fact that they were struggling against the Arizona Cardinals and their second-string and third-string defenders is really, really hand-scratching. And for Sean Payton, you know, what can he do differently 
to make this transition easier for Russell Wilson? What can he do to have this offense cooking at a much higher level? The fact that we're in the preseason going into week two and this offense still hasn't really made any strides in improvement compared to where they were last year is really concerning. Again, there's a lot of pressure on Sean Payton because remember, a couple of weeks ago, he called out Nathaniel Hackett and pretty much said that he was the reason for why the Broncos offense was so bad. Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in the history of the NFL. So if there's anybody who should have Russell Wilson being able to perform near the level that he was when he was playing for Seattle, it should be him. This is the same head coach that was 5-1 on top of the NFC South division with Jameis Winston having the best touchdown to interception ratio in the league at that point prior to him getting his season ended by Devin White. He was still winning games with Taysom Hill, Ian Book after that, and Trevor Simeon. We've seen Sean Payton turn glitter to gold at the quarterback position. We've seen Sean Payton have really good offenses despite not having great talent on offense. But the Broncos have talent on offense. It's just, you know, things just aren't really going right so far. Garrett Bowles, their starting left tackle, he didn't look good in this game. And not just him, but their center didn't look good. Like this whole entire offensive line was struggling against Arizona. Now, it is only the first week of preseason, so I am going to give Denver at least one more week before I start to hit the panic button, but I'm really close to hitting that thing right now, and if you're a Broncos fan, you got to be hella concerned right now. Your offense is struggling against Arizona, fam. Arizona, who the hell do they have on defense that is even elite at their position? Especially on their defensive line. They lost two of their best defensive linemen last year. Zach Allen, who plays for you. And then they lost J.J. Watt to retirement. So this is a pretty much new defensive line that they have going into this season. And nobody who really has a proven resume at being a lead at being able to get pressure on the quarterback. But yeah, they were getting so much push on your offensive line. This is really concerning. Really concerning. And like I said, I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. Because I still want to give them at least one more week. But if they struggle again, I think that this probably is going to linger into the regular season. Sean Payton, maybe he should have kept his mouth closed when he made those comments in that article that he did an interview for. Because so far, you know what they say, karma is a you-know-what. And so far, maybe that karma is starting to catch up to Sean Payton for dissing Nathaniel Hackett. Like, there's no way you can struggle against the Arizona Cardinals and still have a lot of faith that this thing is going to work. Just because I'm not hitting the panic button doesn't mean that I'm confident this is going to work. I mean, this offense could be better than what it was last year, but how better? What is improvement for the Denver Broncos offense? I mean, their offense could be slightly better than what it was with Nathaniel Hackett and still be terrible. So if Denver doesn't even have a top 15 offense, I don't even think they're going to be able to have even a 500 record this season. They're playing in the AFC where the majority of the best quarterbacks in the league reside. You got to play against two of them in your own division. And then Russell Wilson can't even give you top 15 quarterback play. I don't think you're going to go that far. And how good is your rushing attack going to be if your offensive line isn't good neither? 
It's a passing league. You can only throw the foot. You can only get away with not throwing the football as least as possible so many times until somebody stacks the box and forces you to say, hey, you got to beat us throwing the football through the air. So this Denver Broncos offense, man, they continue to struggle to cook. I know that they were able to get things flowing and they were able to get into somewhat of a rhythm in the second quarter but the fact that it took so long for this offense to get going it's really concerning you know and for Sean Payton to have you know the resume that he has I kind of thought that he would have already had this offense a little bit improved right now so far this offense doesn't look any better right now than what it did under Nathaniel Hackett maybe he should have kept his mouth closed maybe he bit his own foot this is what happens when you put your foot in your mouth. And even some people were saying that, you know, maybe Sean Payton made those comments to say that, you know, hey, this may be a little bit tougher than what we initially expected. And maybe he knows that he's in for a tougher job than what he initially expected. But these offensive struggles against Arizona isn't one of those, oh, it's just the preseason things. Like, no, it's not. This is something that should be a big concern to you. And if it continues, you should definitely hit that panic button. I mean, like, this is the preseason, but your first team offense is struggling against second and third stringers of the Arizona Cardinals, dog. The worst team in the NFL with one of the worst rosters in the league. Really concerning what I'm seeing out of the Denver Broncos offense. Jordan Law was going dumb against the Cincinnati Bengals in the Packers preseason opener, man, and... There's been a lot of skepticism around Jordan Love. And Jordan Love probably is the biggest mystery heading into this NFL season because we don't know if this dude is going to be the next great Packers quarterback and if the Packers are going to look up with finding another franchise quarterback again or if he's going to end up turning out to be a bust. But I love what I saw out of him and his performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know he missed a couple of easy layups, some to Luke Musgrave, but... He had some really nice throws. I mean, that touchdown that he threw to Romeo Dobbs was a fantastic ball, great ball placement, and an even better catch out of Romeo Dobbs. I mean, when I looked at Jordan Love against Cincinnati, I saw somebody that really looked controlled and really looked confident. You see, the previous times that I've watched Jordan Love, I didn't see this same level of confidence in his eyes. I saw a different look. I saw a quarterback that is ready for this opportunity. He's embracing and relishing in the moment that he's replacing an all-time great and Aaron Rodgers. And I would have loved to see him connect on that deep shot to Christian Watson. Now, you got to give a lot of credit to Dax Hill, Cincinnati Bengals safety, who kept that big play from happening. That dude is going to be a stud. He's a freak. Good play on him. But, I mean, Jordan Love made a lot of great throws. 7 to 10, 46 passing yards, one touchdown. Like, I got a lot of confidence in Jordan Love after that performance. And I'm not somebody who feels like Jordan Love is just going to be crappy. Like, I think that Jordan Love is going to be at least the top half of the league quarterback. Now, he may not be a top 15 or top 10 QB this year, but I at least think he can be a top 17, 18 QB this year. And I think that the problem with Jordan Love is that he may be a little bit turnover prone, but you saw what he was able to do when he got outside the pocket, making great throws with different arm angles. He's really good with those sidearm passes. Like, you got to give it to him. 
I've never seen a QB this early into his career make sidearm passes look so effortless. I mean, Jordan Love just does it on a regular. Do you remember the Packers family night weekend last week when they were pretty much scrimmaging against each other and that touchdown that Jordan Love threw to Aaron Jones when he pretty much threw it, splitting in between two defenders? Jordan Love, his arm strength and his arm talent is really incredible. And I have a lot of fun every time I watch Jordan Love play because he's always making really incredible all-platform throws that makes you go, okay, okay, like, I see why Green Bay drafted him in the first round. Now, he did miss a couple of easy throws. I think he missed the outright to Luke Musgrave, but every quarterback misses a couple of gimmies here and there. I don't think it's fair to judge Jordan Love based on one or two missed throws when he made a lot of incredible throws in this game, especially the one that he made in the red zone. Do you not know how hard it is to make that pass in the red zone? The red zone is really condensed, it's really tight, so the majority of your playbook, 70 to 85% of it, pretty much is cut away. So if everything being so tight and compact, you got to make sure that you put these balls in really good places where your receiver is the only person who can make a play on it and not the defender. And that's really hard to do with the amount of space that you have to work with in that area of the field. So that throw that Jordan Love made to Romeo Dubs isn't just an easy throw that you should just overlook. That's an incredible throw that he made that takes a lot of great ball placement and accuracy to make. Jordan Love, man. I think that he could be the biggest surprise of this NFL season. And I may be a little bit biased because I do want to see this dude succeed. I'm not a big Jordan Love fanboy. I'm not a Packers fan, but I'm a big fan of rooting for people who get counted out. And people who always continue to not really get the benefit of a doubt from the national media. I think that Jordan Love deserves a fair chance to, you know, at least get the opportunity to show that, yeah, like, yeah, he may miss a couple of throws, but look at the good things that he did. The media never talks about the great throws that Jordan Love makes. I mean, we got Jordan, we got Colin Coward out here talking about he doesn't know about Jordan Love being the guy because he hasn't seen a lot of practice tape. Bro, you really going to overlook the touchdown that he threw to Romeo Dobbs. I was listening to him earlier because I wanted I wanted to hear what he was going to say about Jordan Love because I knew he was going to continue to push his narrative. He was going to just talk about all the throws that Jordan Love missed, which was three of them, and just overlook the seven good throws that he made, especially that fantastic touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. You see the narrative that people continue to push in the media about Jordan Love? This dude had a fantastic preseason performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I only hear people nitpicking the throws that he didn't make and overlook that incredible touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. I know you may be getting tired of me talking about it, but that was an incredible throw, bruh. Do you know how crazy of a throw that was to make in that area of the field? I think that Jordan Love is going to be pretty solid for Green Bay this year. I was really impressed with his performance against the Cincinnati Bengals. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I think we got disconnected on the live. If we got disconnected, I apologize. Uh, You know, hopefully tomorrow we'll have better internet connection. You know, we had a big storm over in the area that I live at, and that had knocked out the Wi-Fi for a couple of hours. So we got on the stream late, and it probably knocked off the stream again. But I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. 
make sure if you haven't already that you leave a like subscribe to the channel we go live every day monday through friday rate us five stars if you enjoyed this episode and i will see you guys tomorrow with another episode of the jt sports podcast